Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and this is a podcast about video game news, speculation, reviews, and whatever else I feel like chatting about. This week, we'll be talking about Activision returning to the office, new game release scores, Embracer Group's big goals, and much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please review the show. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment with your thoughts or just to say hello. Huge thank you to supporter-level patrons PK, The Dawn, Cage Nephilim, and Neuronix, as well as special thanks to producer-level patron Hassan. If you are interested in supporting this podcast and my other content, getting ad-free episodes, you can do it for as little as $1 a month. Uh, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Diesel. And because of my pending switch and content, I'll be talking about that. I have uh, kind of remixed the uh, goals and um, the bonuses and perks for that. So please go check it out at patreon.com slash Bon Diesel Gaming News This week I've got eight stories for you Story number one Activision Blizzard is ending Work from home Uh, This week it was uh, announced I think it was actually leaked in some Company emails um, that I've seen mixed Reporting on this I've seen like May or July Sometime this summer uh, Activision is telling their employees they have to come back into the office. Um, I didn't really see if it's going to be like full full time or like a hybrid schedule. I know like my work, uh, they have us come in two days a week for like half a day. It's kind of it's, it's a pretty cool deal. Um, and it, it was mostly fine with us because um, with the kind of job I have, you kind of need to be in the office at least a little bit. Um, and so it's worked out. The The issue is that with video games, especially and especially these huge studios, they not only have people who are 100 percent work from home, but they've hired people from all over the country, in Activision's case, the United States and all over the world who are 100 percent work from home because they can't commute They're you know, many, many hours away and very expensive plane tickets away. So it's not realistic for them to just come in whenever. So this is going to be interesting for me. Um, I, I don't know if this is supposed to be some kind of way for them to to lay people off without actually having to be the bad guys and pull the trigger themselves, because it's not like all of these people can just move. Um, and even if that's an offer, and it probably is. I know multiple people who have gotten jobs at AAA studios, and it tends to be part of the package to move you to pay for your um, moving. Um, I believe even like with like massive, like Ubisoft massive, I think they even set you up with an apartment for like six months or 12 months um, to help you get adjusted. So um, at least if you're international is my assumption. And so this is an interesting one because uh, you know, this, this time when you know companies need games to come out more than ever where there is some concern about the 
economy, even though I think some of that's starting to subside a little bit. This idea of, you know, a good chunk of workforces, um, you know, the, the, their workforce not being able to work anymore if they really follow through with this is probably not a great morale booster. Um, you have the pending acquisition by Xbox happening. You have Bobby Kodak, who's the head of Activision Blizzard now, and who's pretty much generally despised by everyone, saying that if that deal doesn't go through, he's going to stick around. Um, you know, this is weird because I'm sure some people have been holding out for the Microsoft deal because even if Microsoft is a very imperfect company, I suspect a lot of people do expect the general running of Activision Blizzard to improve after the acquisition. So I'm sure there's some people who have been holding out uh, for that to happen and just kind of putting up with the bullcrap. But this may push it over. Uh, they also announced, I think they were cutting like 40% of their bonuses as well. And so we're in a weird spot where you may see people still holding out for that deal, but a couple things may happen. A lot of people may leave just because of this bonus cut and the work from home getting taken away. Because even if these people are willing to move, this is a point I lost a minute ago, it will take more than a couple months for most of these people to figure that out. Um, and so there's a chance that a few things are going to happen the microsoft deal falls through i don't think it will i still think that's going to happen we'll talk about that in another story but if it falls through you're going to see a mass exodus from activision i think because that will mean that 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 carrot on the string is gone the chances of things getting better are gone codex says he's sticking around so that's going to turn a lot of people off they've lost their bonuses and they have to move or at least go into the office, even though it seems like it was working with them not doing that. Um, it, that could be really bad for Activision Blizzard. And then there is kind of a funny story that happens after that and that things get real bad for them. Their value goes down significantly. And then what if someone tries to acquire them again? What if Sony goes for them or Embracer Group or EA? or EA is a company. I know people talked about it getting acquired. I actually think EA is in a position that they would, it would be possible for them to acquire. Um, I've, I've seen EA and Ubisoft as a really interesting pairing um, as maybe like a partnership, maybe not a straight up one buys the other. Um, because I think the renaissance that EA is having recently is what Ubisoft needs to have. That's a different story though. So, there could be a situation where that deal falls through and Activision just tanks because they lose everyone. There's also a weird situation where the Microsoft deal continues to get pushed and pushed and pushed on what's going to happen. People are unhappy with Codec. They're unhappy with pay cuts. They're unhappy with having to move with this change in procedure. And people leave the company before the acquisition happens. Then the acquisition goes through and Microsoft gets left with an Activision blizzard that's gutted. And then the leader, Bobby Kodak, you know, runs off into the sunset with his bag of cash. And now you have these, you know, you still have the IP. You would still have a lot of people around, but you may not be left with an Activision Blizzard that can immediately get on putting out games. Uh, you may have to rebuild it a little bit. Um, now, that said, I would say there's a chance that if the acquisition, acquisition goes through, it will make the company more attractive to people. 
So maybe people would come back or they would be able to replace the losses with new employees. But this whole thing is weird. I think this was a weird call for Activision to do um, as this deal is pending and being litigated. Um, I've seen some people propose that this is Activision trying to make itself look as bad as possible to make the deal look better, to get it out of their hands, basically. Bobby Kodak specifically. Uh, I I think that's too smart. (laughs) I I think that's too strategic. I think they're just um, they're just doing what these big companies do. I don't necessarily think that like asking people to come back to the office is some big sin, but I think doing it that quickly, I think doing it to people who have maybe been working for your company for a couple of years, but live nowhere near you to try to make that turnaround happen in a couple months. I don't think it's going to work out well. I think people are really going to dislike that. And I think that is reasonable for sure so it's a story worth keeping an eye on my guess is how i think this is really gonna work out i think uh especially employee sentiment and then like community sentiment pushing back on that uh the outcry that's going to happen and is happening will make them change their mind or at least push it out for like a year or something um i've also seen a lot of discussion amongst other large AAA devs and publishers of devs being like well if activision blizzard can make this decision who's to say ubisoft or ea or any of these other companies won't um, who, you know, so far haven't done that. Um, but then you also look at like an EA who has kind of thrived, in my opinion, over COVID times and, you know, is putting out good games. Um, you have a game like Dead Space Remake and stuff where I assume at least a big chunk of that development happened remotely um, and, and, and likely still is to a point. So uh, seeing the anxiety around the whole Uh, business has been interesting because you can tell that people know that these these big companies these big devs publishers like to kind of watch what everyone else is doing and and they aren't really afraid to do it as well so we will see i'm uh, very curious to see how this all works out and i will um you know update you all uh, as we find out more or we don't i have no idea Story number two is just a whole bunch of new releases. Um, Straight up, I've played about two hours of one of these games, so I'm mostly going to report the reviews I've watched for all four of them um, and just the general conversation I've seen around them with a little bit of my input. Uh, So Wild Hearts, which is a Monster Hunter clone, basically, um, by Bandai Namco, and it's being published by EA. Again, this is another one of those kind of EA success stories. Like It Takes Two, this. um, I believe they've had a few other games that they've like published in partnership with a more established studio. Uh, Metacritic of 78, Open Critic of 79. And this is a weird one because if you go uh, pick five random uh, reviews of this game, uh, at least in my experience, I'm surprised this isn't closer to a 90 Metacritic and Open Critic. Um, I bet I would say about seven points. I would say this is probably an 85 average if it didn't have substantial performance issues on all platforms, especially PC, especially Series S. This game is not on the old systems. It's not on the Xbox One or PS4. 
Um, and apparently on the Series X and the PS5, it runs okay. Um, that was my experience. It ran fine for me. I also didn't play it a super long time. But on PC, it's bad, bad. On Series S, it's pretty bad. Um, now, supposedly they have a day one patch come in that is supposed to fix a bunch of it. If it does, I'm going to feel bad for them because from everything I've seen people say is this game probably deserves like a mid 80s rank, uh, like a four out of five or eight out of 10, however you want to um, rank it. Uh, and it's close. It's a Metacritic of 78 and Open Critic of 79. So it's right there. Um, it's just the people glow about this game. Everyone I've seen talk about it. Uh, they say basically the graphics aren't very good especially for being a next-gen game and the performance is bad but the gameplay is just second to none the story you don't expect much from because of the genre it is but that apparently the gameplay is just wild and it's super good and that was my experience in a pretty short amount of time i've tried monster hunter games i do not like them they're way too just too much of a slog i i just i'm too I'm too like ADHD or I have too short of a of an attention span to really get into games like that. So it's just not my thing. Um, and I think that's OK. Um, but Wild Hearts, I enjoyed. Uh, I'm probably not going to buy it if I have to be totally honest. I, I don't plan on dropping the cash on it. I really, really, really hope it comes to Game Pass eventually. Um, it it has a 10 hour preview through EA Play, which you get with uh, Game Pass. Um, and so that's how I played it. Um, and I'll probably finish out my 10 hours uh, eventually. But uh, yeah, this is a game that I, I wouldn't let the score put people off. I honestly think it should be a few points higher, um, but I think it's being held back by its performance. So assuming that gets fixed, you know, keep an eye out. I would suggest getting this game if it's your genre, if it's your style. Wanted Dead uh, came out and it has a Metacritic of 60 and an Open Critic of 61. Uh, this is this this one's a bummer. This looked like kind of like a old like 360 era PS3 era game um, where you have this like badass lady with a sword and guns, and it was just going to be like an action brawler, you know, fun, borderline goofy game. Um, it looks good. It has like nice graphics. Uh, and it like it looks like it should be like an eight out of ten or a nine out of ten, but pretty consistently all the reviews are just like it's shallow, it's repetitive, the, it's not that fun. I did see someone point out that it has the best kick of any game that the, that one reviewer has ever played, and I will say that the footage they showed it was a pretty satisfying kick. Um, it just seems like it's. It's one of these games that looked like it was going to be a big deal and they had all the right polish on it, um, but they just forgot to make it fun to play. And I guess the enemy variety is minimal. It's just, you know, if you play it for an hour, you've basically played the whole thing and then you have to go play it for another 10 or 15 hours to beat it. Um, so I'm bummed about this. This was a game I planned on buying if the reviews were good and I'm not going to buy it. Luckily, we have the saving grace of uh, Game Pass, and maybe they'll have a little time to fix some of the issues people have with it. Um, so I can hope I play a version of it that's better eventually, um, but you hate to see a game get scores like that because 
in the eyes of a lot of people, it's a failure at this point already. Um, this was the first game from a new studio. Um, it seems like it was a good start, even if this initial showing wasn't as good as I'm sure they hoped. Um, so I'll be curious to see what they do next with some uh, taking the criticisms uh, and things like that to heart. And, uh, you know, hopefully they come back stronger and we'll see um, what their next project is. Octopath Traveler 2. Uh, Metacritic score of 86 and Open Critic of 86 tied up. Um, so Octopath Traveler is a game I tried to play recently in the last year or two. And man, I got like an hour into it. I, my, my big, dumb jock brain just can't. I'm too simple for these games. I'm too impatient, like I said before, about Wild Hearts, about like the Monster Hunter games. Octopath Traveler is not my game, but for people whose game it is, the second one seems extremely good, hinting the scores. Um, a big thing I saw or heard when I was listening to reviews about it is that a lot of the repetitiveness and the procedural way that the first game played out with different stories of the different characters is mixed up really well and has been addressed in this new one so if you liked almost everything about the first one i bet they fixed most of what you didn't like for the second one and it seems like it's extremely good um i'm i'm really excited to see what comes of this if it ever comes to my plate, I may give it a try if it flops out in front of me. Um, but this is one that I'll probably be passing on. But if this is your thing, it seems like it's a really, really good option to go for. Then the final game, Like a Dragon Ishin, uh, has a Metacritic of 81 and Open Critic of 81. Again, same score here. This is one where I have seen, I think, at least one, if not multiple, um, 10 out of 10s from like pretty well-respected journalists who don't just throw those out. Um, I think these Like a Dragon games are have their audience um, a kind of a niche. Um, I'm even only familiar with one of the more recent ones. Um, so uh, I don't really know if this is going to be my thing. I, I, it's like one of those things I want to keep an eye on. Um, but seeing it get a score of 81 it makes you realize and if i've seen nines and tens out of tens it means i didn't hit for everybody um i have you know the reviews i saw said that a lot of the systems aren't the best like the combat and stuff like that but the game the the genre it's in it's not really that's not really the focus um but that the story the interactions a lot of the it's a it's a based on true events um and, and some kind of a transition from old japan to new japan um it, it seems like people really enjoy a lot of that and the characters and the storytelling uh it's just the actual combat which people care about isn't that satisfying and it seems like it uh it, it probably suffered a bit because of that from people who aren't like big time like a dragon stands okay we have story number three Microsoft and Sony secretly negotiating. Uh, there's a possible meeting by Microsoft uh, and Sony on February 6th. This came from uh, people paying attention like psychos to private flight records and noticing that uh, the Sony, uh, either the Sony or the PlayStation executive jet um, flew to Seattle where uh, Xbox is 
stationed um th there are talks about how there are developers in that area it is possible that they were there for a meeting with some of their own but knowing that this coming week uh xbox is supposed to start meeting with regulators to figure things out and see if they can work out a way to get this deal through um it seems a little too convenient that they just happen to meet you know a, a week or so or two weeks before that was going to happen um i i think that they're probably trying to hammer out deals i'm sure microsoft is trying to without giving up everything while still making this deal worthwhile are probably trying to figure out what they need to do to get sony off their back because um, multiple organizations and businesses have come out against the deal, but Sony seems like the big kind of drumbeat behind it. Um, and I, I'm sure Microsoft is pretty eager to do what they have to do um, to get them to back off because th then I think we see a lot of the um, pushback layoff but we'll have to wait and see um like i said this coming week microsoft uh, is supposed to be meeting with regulators um in the eu i believe and i think i want to say the csa it's either one or the other or both i can't remember um and that will likely be them beginning the process of okay what do you want us to do uh we're not going to give up call of duty we're not going to cut off blizzard those are silly ideas what what are your real ideas because those were obviously to get people going in the media and the fan bases and stuff like that so uh to be a fly on the wall of that meeting would be really interesting uh but unfortunately that will not happen but i bet we hear stuff about it pretty soon after this is where we start to get into some of the smaller stories that I'll kind of buzz through a little bit quicker. Um, my um, uh, this, uh, story number four, Saudi Arabia has increased its stake in Nintendo to 7%. Um, so if you don't pay attention to world events and stuff like that, um, most of the Middle Eastern countries that have been and still are very dependent on oil revenue, I think kind of see the long-term issues with that industry and in that it may not be very profitable eventually it'll be a while so you've seen all of them starting to invest into other stuff um and uh mohammed bin salman who is the essentially the leader of saudi arabia um is appears to legitimately have an interest in video games and he's i believe in his 30s um if not early 40s um, so he came up, you know, in a world that video games were popular um, and he sees it as a good place to put their money to try to, um, you know, grow uh, revenue in places that aren't underground in their country. Uh, the issue is uh, amongst many, uh, you know, like the way people are treated in their country, so on and so forth, is that uh, Mohammed bin Salman is also known as Mohammed Bonesaw. Um, specifically due to an incident where a critical reporter um, who was based in the United States uh, was essentially, um, I, I believe it didn't happen here, it happened overseas, but uh, he was living in the United States, uh, was essentially lured into an embassy uh, and murdered and chopped up and his parts uh, supposedly returned to 
um, to Saudi Arabia to be disposed of. Um, it, it, it was made pretty clear that uh, the footage that was captured of him going into the embassy being, I think, preceded and then people leaving afterwards who uh, are, are known associates of Mohammed bin Salman and kind of a cleanup crew for him. Um, it's pretty well believed that well, he's never been seen again. And they left with large cases that they're fairly certain were likely the body parts of this individual. So that, amongst a bunch of other issues that Mohammed Bonesaw has, has people feeling weird about them investing into Nintendo specifically. Um, now, Nintendo has kind of that sterling reputation where issues like this don't stick to them as much. You see Tencent, you know, getting involved in other companies and those companies catch a lot of flack for that. The problem is that since Nintendo is a publicly traded company, uh, they don't really have a say over who owns what in their of their company. Uh, they, they have some control of it, but at the end of the day, it's not like Saudi Arabia called and asked their permission. They just did it, and they didn't ask their permission to buy out more. They just did it because if uh, I think it's Aramco or something like that is the Saudi Arabian oil company. Uh, it's a private company, so we don't know how much money they make because they don't have to reveal it. But it's believed that they're a multi-trillion dollar company, which would make it the richest company uh, the, and the most powerful uh, company in the world, probably by a few magnitudes. So, you know, we're, we're in a moment where I think people are getting a little bit of fatigue um, uh, about like, oh, that game is made by so-and-so who's associated with this. This is what we saw with the Hogwarts Legacy. Um, but you can't just give up on things because they become annoying. You can't just, ah, whatever, who cares? I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. Um, but I think maybe it's good for people to really focus and to really make sure you know you know, what issues seem like they're really worth getting up, getting mad about? Because if you're looking to be upset about things, you're going to be upset about everything. If you regretfully accept that there's just going to be a, a level of bullcrap one way or the other in, in most systems of life, um, I think once you accept that, you um, can kind of prioritize your outrage. Um, I guess one issue with this is that once they own enough and they may have enough now, um, they they would technically deserve a seat on the board of Nintendo. Um, and if they pursue that, people are concerned that they will start to vote and show influence on the types of games that Nintendo makes um, and, and start doing things that would lead Nintendo down a path that may eventually lead to people actually being upset about this ownership situation. Um, it's hard to tell, you know, I, I'm a little, Nintendo is like insanely protective of their IP, of their image, of all of that stuff. And so, you know, money talks and no company is immune to, to these things. But I find it really hard to believe that they would get undue influence. Now, at the same time, you also have to remember that um, I believe at least, and, and correct me if I'm wrong in the comments or by another means, that 
Japan is still a relatively conservative country. And so they aren't necessarily out there beating down the door of like blowing everyone's mind with their, uh, as my, as, as a bunch of wonderful people would call it their wokeness, which is a phrase I absolutely despise because of reasons. I just, I think having empathy for people should be a good thing. We shouldn't demonize it. But anyways, I, sorry, I take a little break. Um, I just, it can be a slippery slope, but at some point, like I said before, we have to kind of set some kind of bar for where we start freaking out about stuff because basically every game developer and every publisher has blood on their hands in some capacity. Every game, almost every game probably has someone attached to it somewhere down the line that is extremely undesirable. And I don't think we should stop pointing those things out. And I don't think we should stop paying attention to that, like with the Hogwarts legacy situation. But at some point you do have to kind of accept that a lot of people just want to buy a game and play it and, and not worry about all of the other issues around it. Um, we're definitely seeing that with Hogwarts legacy right now where it's selling up there close to how Elden Ring sold. Um, it's probably going to be in the game of the year uh, conversation, even though it does not seem like a game that actually deserves that. Um, you know, that's where we're at. And um, and I suspect that Saudi Arabia and China and all these other places are only going to continue to invest more all over the world with all of the game companies that we like. And I think each person has to kind of decide uh, how they are going to react to that. Story number five brings us to another giant ownership group, the Embracer Group, and how they are planning on releasing a new game at least every 12 months. I believe this was specifically speaking on AAA games. And it was really interesting. Um, as part of this uh, kind of statement and the, the, this, this article I was reading, they pointed out that they wanted to make AAA games that they were confident would sell at least 2 million copies each. Now, 2 million copies is no slouch. Um, 10 million is kind of like, if your game says 10 million, it was a huge success. Um, and we see that happen fairly often, especially with multi-platform games. Um, but for that, for 2 million to be the goal, it's just, it's interesting. Now, they must have some metrics or they must know something we don't about why that is a number that they are happy with. Um, I just find it really interesting. Um, that doesn't seem like enough when you have games like the recent Assassin's Creed games and the division and a lot of Ubisoft games for as much crap as they get pretty consistently sell more than 10 mil each. Uh, the division two sold 10 mil a long time ago, which means it's probably a significant number higher than that at this point. Um, I've always said that sales doesn't necessarily mean quality, um, it, not to make anyone mad, but the Big Bang Theory was on for a long time. And that also might be one of the worst shows I've ever watched in my entire life. But someone was watching it, someone liked it. And so, you know, it, it's that the, the, we, we have an interesting relationship with, with uh, quantity sold doesn't always match up with uh, quality. We've seen it with games like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, which was one of the best games I've ever played, and it didn't sell well. 
um it suffered a lot i think somewhat from avengers fatigue you know like marvel fatigue but there was also the avengers game that came out not long before it and i think a lot of people thought this was going to be a similar experience um, where the marvel avengers game was trying to be like destiny um, and guardians of the galaxy was the closest thing to a new mass effect we've gotten it was very linear and uh it wasn't as like wide open as like the mass effect games but a very very light western rpg that was really well written and well voice acted and just one of the prettiest games i've ever seen but the guardians of the galaxy for multiple reasons is almost guaranteed not to get a sequel um, because it didn't sell very well which really stinks because it was just such a good game so you know a two million dollar a two million sale copy for each of these games is if that's the goal they'll probably do it um some of the games that embracer group has coming are dead island 2 which went gold recently um this is a almost a famous game at this point uh because it's been in the works for so long and i still don't think people believe it's coming out but we'll have to wait and see um we've got a new deus ex coming uh even though that's going to be interesting without mary demarley uh with them anymore who she's now on the next mass effect game um and she was instrumental to those deus ex games but someone will take it over um, Payday 3, which is another game that's been pretty hotly anticipated. The new Tomb Raider reboots. Um, and one thing to keep in mind is that Embracer Group owns, um, you know, a, a bunch of places now, including uh, devs who are helping uh, Xbox work with Perfect Dark with the initiative, um, as well as Fable, uh, which is a playground, I think, the Forza people. So... They've got their hands in a lot of cookie jars, and I think they're just hoping to come out with a consistent $2 million worth of cookies. <laughs> uh, we'll have to see if they do it. I mean, those properties are great. The problem with Embracer Group is we've been hearing about them for years, and they buy so many studios, and they spend so much money, but they don't have much to show for it. And the games they've released kind of recently have both been like borderline just bad. So I'm really curious to what happens with Embracer. I'm curious to who else they embrace. Um, and then we'll just have to wait for that. I'm also curious about story number six. Atomic Heart has controversy. Go figure. Uh, so I watched uh, some uh, a video and, and read some articles about uh, what's going on here. And long story short, Atomic Heart is being made by, uh, is it Monkfish or Munfish? Um, and their leadership has some... Uh, what do you call it? Complicated uh, things. Long story short, uh, the leadership of Munfish or Monkfish, whatever it is, has a lot of connections with the Russian government. Um, and it's felt uh, like the director of the game used to be the head of the biggest social network in Russia. And it's pretty well known that that network is pretty much integrated with the government and is used to spy on its citizens. Um, and then the owner of the, the company, uh, the owner of the whole company, the developer, um, had ties with, uh, She was she's a former model, but she had some leadership positions and some uh, what is 
assumed to be some surveillance programs and stuff like that in Russia. So obviously with the Ukraine war and the interference in American affairs, as well as affairs all over the world, people are pretty leery about anything that comes from Russia right now, especially Atomic Heart has a bunch of uh, Soviet time iconography, which uh, it seems like the current leadership of Russia is very um friendly too uh they they very much feel like they're trying to get back to their uh original uh level of power and things like that so i i think this will be fine um a, a big thing that came out i think it was just today or yesterday i'm recording this on friday uh the music composer for atomic heart uh, mick gordon is donating all of the proceeds uh, that he was going to receive for this game to various ukrainian charities i believe mostly civilian ones um so it seems like a good response um, I'm super excited about this game. This is one of those situations where I'm just choosing to not worry too much about its extenuating circumstances. Uh, but if I get into the game and stuff feels weird, I'll probably say something because um, it's it's such a ridiculous game. I'm not so worried about it getting really weird, but it could. We have no idea. Uh, it, these things are so unpredictable these days. CDPR couldn't predict genitals. In story number seven, we had a situation where The Witcher 3 had a big patch recently that was supposed to kind of bump up the graphics. Uh, and it accidentally added insanely realistic models and textures of female genitalia, uh, which led to some of the NPCs in the game not having pants and just showing the goods, really just laying it out there um just not shy at all um so you know i i guess get your rocks off if you want and go look at that i don't know if it's actually been patched yet um, i believe they did something to try to encourage people to not engage with some of this um, but obviously there are screenshots all over the internet and this will just go down as kind of a whoopsie um who cares uh it's just boobs and other parts um but some people are more sensitive to that than maybe I am, but still kind of a funny story. Um, just they're just giving people what they want. Uh, finally, story eight, we have uh, Tencent is canceling their VR headset. So what I forgot to mention, I just realized, is that the Sony PSVR 2 got reviewed this week by various publications and stuff. And if you remember, I think I talked about it last week or the week before, I predicted that people would like the hardware and be worried about the software. And that's exactly what's happening. Uh, so the big game that most of them reviewed the system on was the New Horizon game. And it seems like it's fine. It's basically the best of the very VR centric climbing games and shooting stuff and all that, um, but with some good polish and some good ideas, but it doesn't seem like it's overly exciting or like people are saying like, you must have a PSVR 2 so you can play this game. Instead, it seems like they're like, oh, this is pretty neat. Um, all of the other games are ports from old games. And that's where it comes down. People like Jeff Grubb and even the Kind of Funny crew who I listen to a lot, who is very PlayStation-centric. They they are fans of their PlayStations. Um, even them, they, they kind of had this thing of like, yeah, the hardware's cool. The controllers are nice. It feels good on your head. The one cord is not perfect, but it could be worse. Um, but it just all seems like it comes down to 
you know, there, there need to be some killer apps. And it's arguable that, that even this Horizon game isn't like a killer app. It's just, it's fine. Um, but there's also a fear that that Horizon game is the best VR game that comes to PSVR 2. And if that's the case, it's going to struggle. And that's after um, Sony was already, I think, pulled back on some of the advertising and stuff because their pre-orders were terrible. Uh, I'm sure they weren't terrible i'm sure they out i'm sure they sold out most of them but they weren't what they expected and it seems like there's a lot of concern about you know where where they're gonna go from here with the sony psvr2 now what i think is that there were grumblings that this was going to happen to the vr2 and if tencent was working on the vr headset they probably saw the writing on the wall and said hey that's obviously not an industry that's ready yet. Uh, it may never be. I, I still don't, I, I just, I don't think the current VR is what's going to be the future. I think it's going to be something different, um, whether it's, you know, holograms or whether it's, you know, more compact and less obtuse equipment. Um, I just I don't think VR is ever going to be like the big, big thing uh, for quite a while. And and that's OK. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm sure they'll still, you know, Sony seems dedicated to trying to please that community a little bit, even if not that many people really partake. Those are the new stories with some of my own stuff. Um, I have some uh, I had two Mass Effect videos this week. One was uh, talking about bringing back the Paragon and Renegade system from the trilogy to the next game and all my thoughts on that. The second one was actually really fun to make. I typed into chat GPT, the AI chatbot, uh, and said, hey, like, what's the story of the next Mass Effect going to be? And it spit out a story and it was very compelling. And then I said, well, what's another story line it could be? And it pumped out another one. It was super compelling and very interesting. And I did it a third time and it was awful it like didn't even finish right so during that video i read the two prompts it gives about the story of mass effect next and they're really really cool so if you're on youtube just go to the mass effect playlist click on that most recent video to check that out um or if you're on a podcast one of the podcast places check out youtube.com slash bond diesel and you'll be able to see all of my videos i should have uh, probably close to 60 mass effect videos now um and hundreds of other gaming videos uh and if you want some old the division content you can go check some of that out as well um i did a poll this week about rebranding the podcast uh and renaming it actually um a small part of me has wondered if, if kind of doing a reboot on the whole thing would maybe help with trying to get um to, to kind of boost listenership and stuff like that i'm not unhappy with where we're at we've just been really static for like a year and a half or two years now where the numbers are about what they've been and i've not seen a lot of progress even though i think and maybe i'm super biased that i've made quite a bit of progress with the quality of the podcast and my other content so um i put out a poll saying hey should i rename the podcast and it came back narrowly no. So I won't do it. I, I trust, you know, the, the, there was a, a number of people, not quite the listenership of the podcast, but big enough that I believe them. And so we'll leave the name alone, the Echo Cast. But I think I am going to mess with some branding. I don't know if I want to lean into some like Mass Effect branding, like color scheme wise and stuff like that. 
Um, that may come at a later date. That that might be too soon. Um, but I may mess around a little bit with some colors or stuff like that. Um, having the green color scheme right now, I actually don't love because I think it, um, while I am an Xbox guy, I feel like it leans too much into Xbox. Um, I used to have it be orange uh, because it was a division podcast. So I want to stay away from that. I did have blue as my primary color for the podcast for a while. I could go back to that or do like a mix. I actually wouldn't mind having like blue and green or like, or do like red and blue to kind of signify the Paragon Renegade stuff from Mass Effect a little bit. I don't know. It's a work in progress. We'll get there. Um, I'm happy to take suggestions. Um, If you have any opinions of your own, um, please let me know on YouTube in the community part or in the video comments on Twitter, in my discord, whatever. Also, also, the last thing here, um, I've been streaming on Twitch for multiple years now. Um, I, I, I've, I'm going to take a chance and actually stream on YouTube for a while. Um, supposedly, if you stream on YouTube, it does help with the algorithm and stuff like that. So um, my goal this year is to get partnered on YouTube. Um, we're making progress, but I want to speed it up. So I'm going to try to stream on YouTube exclusively for at least a few months. Um, so go check me out over there make sure you subscribe over there Subs- uh, subscriptions on youtube are free uh, you actually can't pay me money on youtube right now i'm not partnered um so subscribe over there turn on the alerts if you can and when i stream please come check it out come say hi um if you're a twitch sub you basically have three options you can end your sub which is totally fine i completely understand you'll be getting basically no value from it you can um leave your sub alone and continue subbing to me on twitch i'm almost certain i'll end up back on twitch eventually but it may be a while or three you can't you can't like be a member on youtube until i'm partnered which i'm not yet um so i would suggest going to patreon.com slash bond diesel and being part of that um more of the money goes to me um i do think the bonuses on there are decent and i'm always open to suggestions for more um and it's just probably a good place to go and i have goals on there like you get more direct rep- um like on every video and podcast you get recognized for being a patreon where with uh, being a twitch sub it's only when i'm there and i say thank you for resubbing so just something to think about and that's all i have for this week um i normally take listener questions i didn't get any this week so make sure uh, on my discord on my twitter anywhere um, in the comments of the video if you watch on youtube ask questions propose topics i'm happy to bring almost anything up and as i say that i remember that there was actually a question from last week uh, and i'm gonna pull it up now so last week pizza morgue said um is there a property you'd like to see to get the hogwarts legacy treatment like it can be any form of media but seeing that world brought to life in a really detailed way with a clear focus in virtual uh, tourism i would like to see what jumps right out to me um what there was the movie where Tom Cruise was fighting these aliens and he kept dying and coming back and he progressively over hundreds of thousands of lives figured out how to beat these aliens. I would want to see that. Uh, 
what's what's front is like live die repeat is what like the tagline for it. and i think that's what the movie its name got turned into but it was initially something else but that's that's what i would want to see that's not the deepest answer i could give you um but that would be that would be a cool one i think and then uh just as i was recording this uh, i got questions from master prime um thoughts on the new 2042 season trailer that's for battlefield that is um for season four which is coming in about a week or or so i believe um i am super pumped for it um my favorite thing to do in 2042 is to um get mastery levels on the weapons so i have the base mastery level for all of them right now and i've gone up in a few of them so i'm excited to get new weapons to master i think that's i'm super excited about that the new operator looks interesting and um, the changes they made recently, that game feels so much like a Battlefield game now. It's so good. If you haven't played 2042, if you paid for it, but you haven't played in a while, jump in. You'll love it, I think. And if you um, if you can find it cheap, I highly suggest getting it um, and, and playing it. It's, a, it's great. Master Prime also asked, do you think we'll be getting any big announcements on E3? Um, if for, for 2042, probably not. There, there have been rumors that they're making the next Battlefield already, which isn't that surprising. Um, it's supposed to be in like a similar time frame. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. It'll be interesting, but I, I can almost guarantee it's going to be a straight up normal ass ba Battlefield game from the start. And then maybe they'll trickle stuff in later. Um, I, I think with 2042, they tried to do it the other way and they, they messed up. Um, and then would you like to interview a 2042 developer for sure? And I actually, uh, a former, uh, Ubisoft massive employee who, uh, I'm a mutual with on Twitter is like one of their big devs. So I should maybe try to reach out to them and see if they would want to uh, chat because I've, I've really enjoyed that game, especially recently. I, I liked it when it came out. Um, it just, it had issues. Um, it would be really fun to talk to them. Uh, I have to remember what their role was with the division, but it would be interesting to talk to them to compare and contrast how like the division one and two kind of started off and how they developed and how the same thing we see happening to battlefield as well. So it's a really good idea. And thank you for those questions. Again, if you have your own, go to all the places and ask them. The discord is the best place. Okay. Um, well, that's what I have for this week. So thank you so much for listening. I'm happy to get any feedback on the show. If you have it, leave it in any of the places I've been talking about. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, um, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and on Twitch, technically, but let's focus on YouTube. There's also a at the EchoCast Twitter account where you can get updates just about the podcast. And I try to retweet and comment on a lot of news on there with very little like personal opinion and without posting like my own content too much. And um, that's, that's all I have. So until next time. I'm gonna go to the party, 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 I